this one, this is the one narrative that I will talk about because it's interesting. It's spooky. And it sort of predicts what happens next. But once he gets arrested, Ronnie says, the devil made me do it. (gasps) We invite you to join us on our hunt for all things spooky. We're here for the tricks and the treats. I'm Elise. And I'm Haley. And And this this is is Easy Easy Bake Bake Coven. Sorry, I, I ran to light a candle. <laughs> oh, is it that kind of night? It's spooky. Oh, should I go get one? You should have a candle. Okay, then. okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. We don't we don't fuck around with this shit. Well, you look great. You're Thank so you. tanned. I know. I'm outside like all the time. Um, before I forget, I want to address a theory I thought about regarding last week's episode. Oh, love this. So what if Bessie mm-hmm. and Georgia Clark are the same person? Yes. And what if mm-hmm. it wasn't the guy, the photographer who impregnated her, but what if she became pregnant on the trip by Glenn and oh. then was like, I need to get off the river because I'm pregnant. And he was like, no, we can finish it. And she was like, no, my baby's more important. And then she murdered him and then struck off on her own and had Simona Rose. And it was actually... Oh, I love baby. that theory. <laughs> Female empowerment. Yeah. I love She's like, that. I'm getting off the river and I'm going to have my baby and start a new life. Of my baby. Right. And I'm going to finish this river one day. Exactly. Yeah. But not before giving birth. So I just like had a shower thought, you know, of that. And I was like, love that. So wanted to tell people that. <laughs> I love that. I, I, that's the narrative that I'm going to choose. Thank you. To believe. I think that is a good one. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pro that idea. Mm-hmm. How are you? <laughs> oh, um, I'm good. Uh, we actually are having a very Pacific Northwest kind of day. We had like a huge thunderstorm last night. Oh, I saw your video. It was Russ crazy. was like, Walter oh, is scared. <laughs> he was. It's crazy. Uh, I know. And then today and like for the rest of the week, it's supposed to be kind of like overcast rainy, which we haven't had since we moved here. So I'm actually kind of excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels really nice. So I'm good. How are you? You know, same old. I'm a little bit better. Yeah, I still better? sound sound husky. Yeah, your or voice something. is. I, you know what? I kind of love when I get sick and my voice sounds like that. I feel I, like I, I'm like a talk. When show I was host. younger, I felt like I was Lindsay Lohan because <laughs> I thought she had the coolest voice because it was you know kind of raspy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what was I singing along to? I was singing along to something and I was like, oh, my voice is like raspy. This works. I felt like someone a cool was like, witch. Lindsay, is that, that L- Lilo? What are you doing on Vashon Island? You should be at your club in Greece. What? No, it's me, Haley. Like, it's just me, Haley. <laughs> yeah, but the problem is I'm also like, I have a lot of head congestion. Yeah. So it, it turns out it's actually not a sexy thing having. <laughs> having snot coming out of your nose (laughs) whatever the fuck this is but yeah i'm not i'm in control of my coughing now that's good so i have some fun very recent spooky things which um love it revolves around the buckingham palace jubilee parade oh yeah that bitch had a big old party a big old party and the oh sorry helen helen's listening oh my mother was british and she likes the royals you know i'm not a huge fan but yeah, they it's nothing party, new to any of us. The only thing I saw about the Jubilee online, like throughout all of social media, was mm-hmm. the fact that Kim Kardashian did, was not granted the <laughs> yeah, invite she wanted. Like, went there, like went to London. <laughs> and they so were actually, like, no, no, I'm actually team the queen in this yeah. scenario. Like, I love that she snubbed her. Yeah. And like, I saw Just that... because you have a big butt doesn't mean you can buy all of right. everything that you right. want, Kim. 
I saw that. What's his name? Is his name Chris Colfer from Glee, who's like a pretty low level star, but he know. was on Glee. He's I've a like f- fabulous, wonderful gay guy, and he was given an invite. I was like, how oh, hilarious! <laughs> like he's allowed to go because they try Kim to keep it not... classy here. So yeah, yeah. But so that's the only thing. I I mean, I do uh-huh. not follow any royal news at all. Um, but you will get behind this piece of spooky news. So apparently during this parade, they had a bunch of, you know, planes in the sky with like the big smoke, colored smoke oh, going yeah, behind yeah. him. Mm-hmm. And in the footage from multiple cameras and people okay. who are like in the crowd, they see mm-hmm. this like white. I mean, it's not an orb. It's like they're they're calling it a UFO and it's <gasps> darting in weird positions throughout the footage and there's different cameras like cameras in the cockpit of one of the planes can see it people from the ground can see it super bizarre i wonder if they were scared at the time like the if they were like oh god this is like a drone attack or something right um some people suggest that it was a stationary object that appeared to be moving due to what is known as the parallax effect but when you see this video it's just it's weird i mean it doesn't look like whatsoever like a classic ufo it just looks like a white dot like bright dot in the sky but on coast to coast they said um let me see oh yeah that perhaps the ufo was an alien craft making an appearance over buckingham palace as some kind of interstellar salute to the queen's epic seven decades upon the throne That's 100% like maybe, yeah, maybe that's it. When you said it was spooky and to do with the queen, I was like reptilian theory, reptilian oh, theory. Sorry, that would have been way better. How disappointing! No, no this is still no. Like, you know, I love me a UFO story. No, yeah. So here. I'll send you the video, and um, it's definitely weird. I don't cool. know the parallax effect. I obviously know nothing about, but it doesn't look stationary. So, mm-hmm. um, also something that is unusual and odd. I'm drinking red wine tonight because <gasps> we have no white. <laughs> Whoa. Well, we do. We have the white we got in Napa, but I keep saying that's for something special. Even though when, when special come things come, I'm like, no, I can't drink this yet. <laughs> so yeah, yeah when yeah. you come visit. <laughs> oh yeah. I have wine like that that's been in my cellar for like four yeah. years. I'm like, it's only getting better. Right. It's not going to waste. I'll I don't drink need it to one day. It. No. I just feel sad drank, to not have it anymore. I drank the white wine that we got in Napa at Christmas time with my See? mother-in-law. That's special. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. I can't just drink it on any old Tuesday night. They have to wait for me to visit. And then <gasps> then when we see the Northern Lights together, we'll drink <gasps> well, it. cheers. Yes. Okay. Oh well, now I'm saving that for that officially. Oh my God. Literally for that moment. <laughs> yeah, for so that moment. you better hope there's a geomagnetic magnetic storm the first time I visit. <laughs> we'll just pray to Satan and it shall be. It's I mean, it's fire, me geomagnetic so storms, sun flares, yes. yeah, Satan. Exactly. <laughs> yes i follow your logic (laughs) thank you it's sound Mm -hmm. uh what do you have for us tonight i'm so excited i'm very excited about this oh wait i want to say because i don't think many people know this because people ask me about it they'll be like what do you what's your what are you going to talk about this week i'm like we don't know yeah every reaction you get on this show is real because i have no idea what Haley's about to talk about she has no idea what i talk about it's all completely you know, free for we're all. Right, we're right there next to you, dear yeah. listener, <laughs> experiencing all the feelings in real time. Yeah. So we're, that's not just a shtick. It's completely <laughs> true. Yeah, actually. <laughs> okay, okay. Anyway, so this, is, go this on. one is fun. Oh, boy. On November 13th, 1974, 23 year old Ronald DeFeo Jr. ran into Henry's Bar in Amityville, Long Island, 
and yells, you got to help me. I think my mother and father are shot. Oh, boys. Today Tonight, the we're day. We're going to talk about the Yemen of you. Yeah. damn it. I just like fucked up. <laughs> I got too excited. Amityville horror. I'm actually surprised it's taken us, what, 32 episodes for you I to, to come. I mean, you were saving it because you wanted it to like be in the deep yeah. episodes. It's also really fun and I don't believe it. Like, I don't think it's true. So <gasps> what? Oh, is that a surprising hot take? Yes. Oh, good. Okay, good. This will be even more oh, interesting. Boy. But it's very fun, you know. I'm excited I to hear it. To say that. I feel like, like I, I what's well, I feel like it's like far enough in the past. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Um I'm like I know the basics of it and I feel like I've probably seen some like movies and stuff about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I don't know enough detail to say whether or not I think anything. So I'm really excited By the to hear your tonight, take. you will. Oh boy. Okay, so Ronald DeFeo Jr. runs into the bar, says, you got to help me. I think my mother and father are shot. He leads a small group of people, including a bunch of his friends, because that was like his hangout, back to the house. And they find that Ronald's parents were, in fact, dead in their beds. Oh, God. One of the group, his friend Joe Yeswit, calls the Suffolk County Police Department, who turn up at the house, search the house, and find that six members of the family were dead in their beds. (gasps) The victims were 43-year-old Ronald DeFeo Sr., his dad, 43-year-old Louise DeFeo, his mom, 18-year-old Don, his sister, 13-year-old Allison, 12-year-old Mark, and 9-year-old John Matthew. Holy shit. His whole family. The parents had uh, both been shot twice, and all the kids had been shot once. Oh, my God. So, immediately, the police took Ronnie. So, um, I'll call him Ronnie... Ronald, or some people called him Butch. Butch was the dad. Ronnie, the the son. They both, oh, okay. so there was senior and junior. So, so that's kind of a red take, flag. Yeah, <laughs> known as Butch. <laughs> yeah, not a not a great. No, thing. not good. <laughs> um, immediately they take him to the station, take Ronnie DeFeo to the station because he told the police that his dad had ties to the mafia, oh. which actually might be rooted in partial reality. There's mixed reports that his uncle was a mafioso. Oh shit! But. Um, there's like a lot of legend around this story we'll find Mm -hmm. out so like who knows maybe Mm -hmm. Uh, but this was not mob related but their family may have had connections okay Um, he said that the murders were a hit from his dad's old friend slash maybe business partner and he's like i know who did it like he threatened my father you know he's gonna come for me next so the police take him to the station they're like we have to keep you sort of in protective custody Mm -hmm. over the next day his story changes over and over and over oh boy there's inconsistencies the details change every time he tells the story so eventually the next day after a 12-hour interrogation he admits to killing his whole family oh shit the standard story sort of accepted story is that he woke up at 3 15 a.m and for reasons unknown killed his entire family as they slept first killing both of his parents then he shot his two younger brothers. Then he went to the adjacent bedroom and shot his sister and then walked up to the third floor bedroom and shot his other sister, Dawn. And how old was he again? 23. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about tragic. It's funny. It's not funny, but it's interesting in the sort of lore of the Amityville haunting or the Amityville horror, whatever you want to call it. The murders kind of get glossed over actually. Like it's funny you say that murders happened. 
because you when realize. you well like mm-hmm. i knew that there was murder but like when you said i don't think it's true my mind mentioned like immediately went to ghosts yes like I, that's just where i immediately went to yes. even though i knew the there was murder involved yeah. yeah so that's mm-hmm. such a good point mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I, I i didn't know that many people were killed whatsoever right yeah, yeah it's sort of like the like one line intro to like the Amityville right. horrors, like well, because it's more fun to to yeah, think about ghosts than mental Ron illness. Feo, like right. killed six of his right. family members. Right. Instead, he was and disaster. Then, or whatever you know, this yeah. big long story about yeah. how the house was haunted and everything that happened subsequently. When like the scariest part of the story is that a twenty-three-year-old killed his whole family. Hundred percent. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll sort of dig into that more. There's there is some creepy and weird stuff about the murders themselves. So the gun that he used was a 35 caliber um, Marlin 336C rifle, which apparently, in theory, can be heard up to five blocks away. It's Holy like shit. known to be a very, very loud gun. Is it supposed to be for hunting? It's like some kind of a rifle. So it okay. maybe. Yeah. Hmm. But, I, but like I also read that it was a shotgun. And oh. I don't know if a rifle can be a shotgun. I know absolutely nothing about guns. So if you're a gun enthusiast, sorry if I sound stupid. Yeah. It's fine. Actually, it I'm killed really someone. Sorry. That's it's all we're going to say. Hobby. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it was like a, like it's known to be one of the loudest sort of rifles okay. that you could get. Despite the fact that it could be heard in theory up to five blocks away no one heard anything there's at yeah, least really nine weird. shots and no one heard anything one neighbor reported hearing the family dog barking sometime between 3 and 3 30 in the morning hmm. none of the six victims had woken up and tried to escape they were all found face down in their beds you would think you would hear the first shot and wake up and be like what the fuck was that mm-hmm. so that's kind of weird people thought well he must have had accomplices and like they held the bodies down like held the people down before he shot them or maybe he moved their bodies and put them back in bed like he shot them elsewhere and then drug them all to their beds but they were all like where they were found in their beds is where they were killed could they have he, been drugged and he said in his confession that he had drugged them but there was no drugs in any of their systems. weird why yeah. even make that up right and they were all sort of like face down stretched out like fast asleep seemed really like systematic and methodical and i wonder why he why would he use such a loud gun like why it's bizarre yeah and they confirmed that he didn't use any kind of device to make it more quiet Hmm. i I assume you can't have a silencer on a weapon of that size but like i guess there are ways to make it more quiet right the noise he didn't do that Hmm. so none of the neighbors and it's like it's a beautiful it's a beautiful house um but it's like close to like the next door neighbors are right there like you look out the window the next it's not like they're on acreage or something right, like that they're right. in, like, it's like close oh, it's lots. a cute little ham a cute little mm-hmm. hamlet but it's like a city yeah no one heard anything and no one in the house woke up and tried to escape there's like no signs of That's struggle bizarre. nothing super weird did he kill the dog or no i don't know i couldn't find it mm-hmm. i hope not a minute my reality is gonna be that he did not <laughs> No, I I think if it was barking, maybe he didn't. Right. You know, you think that he would have shot it first if he didn't. Or if it started barking, then he shot it. But I'm going to choose to believe he didn't. Yeah. I also, that's the narrative that I've decided on. Mm -hmm. So a little bit about the DeFeo family. They were a bizarre and unusual household. They were originally from Brooklyn and Ronald DeFeo Sr., the dad, worked as a service manager at his wife Louise's family car dealership, um, which was like a Buick dealership in Brooklyn. 
and Ronald Sr. had dubbed the family's home High Hopes. We'll share photos of the house, but they had a sign out front that said High Hopes. Well, that's Because they had High ominous. Hopes when they, right? When they moved to this like bougie Long Island neighborhood. Were and they bougie before they moved there? Or is this similar to our, um, the, what, the Watcher ha- yeah, house? Yeah, I don't they, think so. So they be- tried so. to become bougie and shit hit the fan, just like the Watcher. Just Westfield like, watcher. Except the class. Which was in New Jersey, wasn't it? Just kidding. Yes. Wasn't yeah. it in New Jersey? Yeah. <gasps> uh-huh. Yeah. So it's like not that far. They appeared to be very religious. There was like religious artifacts throughout the house. Outside they had like a little shrine. I don't know, to Mother Mary or something. Like, mm. you know, very um like Catholic Italian family. Mm-hmm. Crucifixes everywhere, you know. But the reality of their household was constant fighting. Really? Bickering and screaming beyond what was normal within a house. Ronald Sr. was very abusive to his family. Not what Jesus would do. Exactly. He would beat his kids for no reason. Oh, God. Like, he would just fall into these horrific rages. And Ronnie's friends were apparently scared to come over because they were so scared of his dad. Oh, how horrible. So building up a lot of resentment. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, beating him from a young age. Mm-hmm. One of his friends, Barry Springer, said that the DeFeo's home was a crazy house. Like, I, I didn't want to go there. That mm. um, the dad would beat the mom in front of the kids. Oh, how horrible. Yeah. And, and that Ronnie was abused from childhood mm. um, by his father. He was really close to his mother and his brothers and his sister, Don. I guess his other sister, not so much. But apparently him and Don had a really special relationship. Butch... Ronnie, whatever you want to call him, he had a history of a temper and a history of erratic behavior. This is kind of left out of some of the like mainstream narrative of the murders. It's like he woke up in the middle of the night and killed his whole family for no reason. Mm -hmm. Like the writing was kind of on the wall in some ways. Like it wasn't super surprising to people who knew him. He was escalating and acting really erratically. He was asked to leave Amityville High School when he was 17. It's like a cyclical thing, right? Like, I mean, his dad's yes. abusive, and so it makes sense that he would be abusive mm-hmm. and unwell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So after leaving high school, he started using LSD and heroin. Mm. He became increasingly unpredictable and violent. He was on a hunting trip with friends and aimed a rifle at a man that he knew since childhood. So okay. the man left and was like, you're terrifying. And then when he saw him later in the day, Butch was like, why'd you leave that hunting trip? What? Why'd you leave so soon? He's like, are you fucking like aimed a rifle at me? Holy what? shit. Yeah. So not well mentally. No. Apparently he assaulted his girlfriend in the weeks leading up to the murders. He threatened his dad with a gun. He was actively using acid and heroin at this oh, time. Oh, man. Well, I completely was, agree with you saying the writing was on the yeah. wall. Yeah. Like I don't, I, they sort of make it out like it happened out of, out of the blue, mm-hmm. but it kind of seems like not really. He was working for his dad in the service department of the car dealership that his dad was managing. And at the time of the murders, he was on probation because he had just pled guilty to to stealing an outboard motor off of a boat. Oh, shit. So he was like dabbling with crime, you know, fighting with his dad. I guess he said that he sort of took advantage of working for the family business because he knew he wasn't going to get fired. Mm -hmm. And he had a pay stub that always said that he was there, that he could show his probation officer, even though he like fucked off and did whatever he wanted a long time. And I maybe because his dad was abusive, maybe because he was like trying to keep up appearances, he just kind of let him do it. Hmm. Who knows? It's also fucked up. We could talk for like days about all the stories that Ronnie came up with once he was in prison, all the lies that he you know, hmm. sort of 
told to say what happened like 10 years later came up with new stories to really try to get out of prison oh my god yeah. it's like honestly kind of boring to yeah because it's just like he he did it and he wanted Is, to get out of jail so he didn't right know, he just came up with a lot of different stories about what really happened quote unquote is he the one who started the narrative of the ghosts well sort of so this is the one that's the one story that i will talk about because it's okay. sort of relevant to what ends up happening in the sort of saga around this the murders in the house but i wanted to share there was a joe nickel quote there's always <gasps> a joe nickel quote there always is where he Bastard. basically said like this kid has told so many lies and told so many stories that there's no point in listening to him anymore when it has to do with the murders because like we'll never know you Maybe know, that's the like, first one we agree with. <laughs> first reasonable thing Joe Nichols ever said, in my <laughs> humble opinion. Yeah, this is like maybe the only time that Joe and right. I agree, actually. <laughs> will they or won't they? There's a first for everything. <laughs> <laughs> they will not. They will not. Um, this one, this is the one narrative that I will talk about because it's interesting. It's spooky. And it sort of predicts what happens next. But oh once he gets arrested ronnie says the devil made me do it <gasps> and enters of course an insanity he did. plea mm -hmm. so of his did. one of the like first interviews that he did i think like mainstream like on media um after he was arrested this was his narrative of what he said happened he said he'd taken some drugs was watching tv and a war movie was on so oh that's boy. getting him all amped up of course he said at the end of the movie, he was in the room alone and he could hear the other members of his family in another room conspiring to kill him. Oh, they were all boy. talking about how they were going to kill him. And then he said that a hooded female, sometimes referred to as a female and sometimes referred to as a demon, with black hands walked up to him and presented him with the rifle that he used to kill Woof. his family. So then he said he went ahead and shot everybody. Holy shit. Paranoia yeah. to the extreme. Mm -hmm. What's weird is he referred to it as committing the murder, not the murders. Oh. Not plural. And um, there's like a, a lot of theories that he didn't act alone. All of the evidence suggests that he did, but still the question of like, how did he do it all so quickly mm -hmm. without anyone waking up? Like there's a few things where people are like, mm, maybe he had an I mean, accomplice. his accomplice was, was the, the demon. demon woman. Yes. <laughs> Obviously. So this is like the one thing that I find kind of interesting. Um, years later, there was a journalist named Rick Morin and he was sort of investigating what, what went on and the sort of, um, like supernatural aspect of it too and he was contacted by a drug enforcement agent who said that he had been uh like surveilling the defeo home at the time of the killings i don't know if it's because ronnie was buying drugs and they were trying to figure out where they're coming from or if the family really did have that mafia tie that people were talking oh, about shit, yeah. i don't know why a drug enforcement officer would hmm. be observing their house but he said that at the time of the killings he was actually surveilling the house also i don't think this came up in court so it could mm. be horseshit whatever he said that he saw ronnie's sister dawn leave the house that night, in the middle of the night, he said that she was wearing a hooded jacket and black gloves <gasps> oh, and that she came out of the house holding a rifle. What? And then he said he watched her throw it into the water behind the house because the house is on the water and then like walk away toward somewhere else. And was Dawn is, not one of the ones killed? She was killed. So What? So could he have mistaken her for Dawn and it was really the demon woman or? Or like was it him? Was it 
right did himself he ditching the weapon weird. after like wearing a hood and did they find the weapon in that lake they did <gasps> they found the weapon in the bay yeah oh my god so that's just like weird right yeah it's just weird shit like that where you're like mm, mm-hmm. that doesn't really make sense i don't really know what to do with it but it doesn't right. really make sense the other thing that some people say is important and some people say isn't important is that dawn his sister her night clothing like her nightgown or whatever had sh- had um tested for unburned gunpowder like residue on the oh, nightgown yeah. which some insist means like that that means she must have fired a weapon that night she must have fired mm-hmm. a gun if she's got this like residue but at the trial a ballistics expert named alfred della della pena um or della pena whatever he testified that the unburned gunpowder is discharged through the muzzle of a weapon so he said that basically all that indicated was that she was in proximity to the muzzle of the weapon at the time it was discharged oh, I see. which she was because she was shot in the head right and oh, i guess man. her like injuries were the worst like her like he shot her right in like the face or something like wasn't that. she the one he had the closest relationship to and there's some rumors that they had an incestual relationship Ooh, oh no i don't know if that was just made up for drama because right. it was mm-hmm. salacious like who knows wow um there's a lot of the stuff where it's like you can't find the root of it but it's part of the myth yeah you know like how do you separate he said multiple times in some of his various lies that she helped him that it was her idea that she's the one who shot everyone else but then they were just going to shoot their parents because their dad was abusive and their mom allowed it to happen but then she got carried away and she shot everyone so then in a rage he was trying to wrestle the rifle away from her and shot her but mm. there's no evidence that supports any of that. Hmm. She was laying in her bed, you know? Right. And there's no no injuries associated with the struggle or anything like that on and her. And like was there any were there any indications that she was kind of getting off her rocker and losing no. her mind? No. Right. I so, don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think probably she was innocent. She mm-hmm. got murdered by her brother and he was looking to pin it on anyone else so he didn't spend the rest of his life in jail. Right. That's my guess. He it's did a lot easier to, to pin it on a dead person who can't speak yeah. for themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Especially if you're profoundly mentally ill, very mm-hmm. traumatized and have been on a lot of drugs for years. Yeah. Really you know? bad combo. Yeah. So the jury found Ronnie guilty of all six murders. He was convicted of six life sentences in 1975 and he died last wow. year in prison oh, wow. in Albany. Yeah. An old man. Yeah. It was really weird. So one of the sources I watched was a documentary about the murders and the case and everything. And he had this quote. He said, we were a very close family. It was a shame what happened, but it happened. I'm like, just like, like completely disassociated from it. You murdered your whole family. What do you mean it happened? What? Like, sorry, I did it. Is that what you were looking to say? Wow. It was a shame that it happened. Like, how how old was he when he said that? Oh, look, within a couple of years. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Maybe that's yeah. how he's able to sleep at night by just just some thinking it's something some that happened that he didn't yeah. do. Yeah, or maybe he really maybe because he was on acid at the time and heroin, yeah. which I imagine is a weird combo. Mm-hmm. Um, not 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 like right, not that you would know. Those drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I like I imagine from my experience with both acid and heroin. <laughs> no, just like in my mind, yeah. the effects of both of those together yeah. seem like a weird partnership. I don't know if you've done acid and heroin together and you have a different perspective. Yeah, let us share. know because <laughs> we are a couple of prudes right when it comes to, to drugs. Yeah. <laughs> we're more white wine drinkers. Yeah. Sometimes we get crazy and crazy. drink red wine when we're out of white wine. 
That's about as insane I as it gets. I drink Theraflu to help with my <laughs> chronic death. <coughs> Insert cough. <laughs> oh, God. So that all happened late 1974. It was like November 1974. Now we're going to flash forward. And this is where the sort of myth of the story usually begins. Oh. Uh, December. Wait. What? So there's not ghosts really associated with that. It's later There's, things that yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> wow. It's the, house. the house is marked. The house is marked. I guess if you believe that demons made him do it, then there are ghosts associated with the murders. But I think that's just like a fun spin that people like to put on it. Oh my God, okay. fun is not the right word to use. <laughs> it's a morbid spin. Uh, it's really hard to be trauma informed. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So December 1975, a little over a year later, house has not been lived in this whole time and it's time for someone else to buy the house so george and kathleen lutz who were these young newlyweds with a young family i think they had two kids maybe anyway they go to view the house and george says that they all talked about like as a family what happened in the house and the events and are we okay with this and they came to the conclusion that they're all okay with it it's fine. The kids came to it. a conclusion that they're fine with seven people <sighs> like young, being... Mur- that's an children. interesting conversation to have with yes. your children. Um, I guess they got they got a really good deal. They bought the house for $80,000. And it's Holy like shit. a nice house. I mean, this was the, the mid-70s. But Is it as nice as... I mean, like when I've seen, you know, movies about it or mm-hmm. document... Or not even documentaries, but just kind of dramas about it. That They make the house look like a really cool kind of like... It's mansion-y really cool. cool. It's really cool. It is? Okay. Actually, you know what's so funny? That's like the next thing that we're going to talk about. Oh. Hmm. They bought the house for 80K. Oh, you're so good. Thank you. I wrote, if you've ever seen the house before, it's really the perfect haunted house. Okay. It's this beautiful Dutch colonial on the water, like on the bay on Long Island. And it's like, I think like 5,000 square feet or something. It's big. And they got Three it for $80,000? Yeah. Holy yeah, shit. There's a boathouse, like down mm. over the water like a boat shed i remember that from the movie uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah so that part is actually like accurate okay um it has this like creepy attic upstairs of course which it i'm sure wouldn't be creepy except in the fact that right. that's where dawn was murdered in the attic 100 percent creepy um and then it has these two windows on the front that were kind of like angled and we'll post photos of it but many people believe that they look like sinister eyes people think the house <gasps> oh looks like i've it has seen a face yes yep. i know what house we're talking about now yes i've seen those yep. pictures yes yep. and um, it kind of does essentially my dream house <laughs> it sold a couple years ago for like 950 or 980 oh my like, god <gasps> oh what i would do for that right like I could, I, why why did i not buy that house i don't know it's on the Why bucket didn't list. You? One day I'll own that home. <laughs> Owning a murder house is high on the bucket list for you. Yeah. 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 Well, if my husband ju- continues <laughs> with his gaming, this will be a murder house soon enough. <laughs> I was just thinking that you could make your own murder house. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like a great haunted house. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of things sort of aligned really perfectly to make this like a spooky success. Yeah. This is George's account of what happened. I'm going to share it all as though it's true. This is his perspective. This is what he says happened. Within an hour of moving in, December of 1975, 
He says their dog, Harry, tried to hang himself. That's what? That's how he introduces it. That's his headline. They had him on a chain and the chain wasn't long enough. This is their first like a couple hours in the new house. So the dog went running and tried to jump over the fence, but the chain was too short. So he was like hanging on the other side of the fence from the chain. Oh, maybe like, they're just bad dog owners. I'm like, I mean, you had him on a chain and right. it was hmm. too long, but not long enough. You, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's his, within a couple hours, the dog tried to hang himself. Okay. Oh sure. my God. A good friend had advised George that they should have the house blessed. And so a priest came over like the first day to bless the house. And George said that the priest came downstairs and told them not to use the upstairs bedroom as a bedroom. Oh, shit. The, the room on the third floor. He said, don't use it as a bedroom. He said, the priest said that when he entered, he felt a slap and someone told him to get out. <laughs> and then I wrote, even the spirit of the little girl knew the Catholic church was up to no good. <laughs> out with you, demon. <laughs> get out of here. Fucking pedo. <laughs> so that this is like the first day that they're there. He says that the priest came back like multiple times to try and bless the house like to no avail. Hmm. Within the first week, George said he found himself waking up every day at 3.15 a.m. feeling restless and uneasy and often hearing strange noises. Which the is witching the, hour. Yes. The witching hour. Do you know why it's the witching hour? I do not. Apparently demons like... The fact that it's 3 a.m. because they're like mocking God and the Holy Trinity. <gasps> oh, I did hear that. They're like, your holy number of three means nothing to us. We're demons. They're very literal. So, right? <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> Put a lot of thought into that. Also, 3.15, between 3 and 3.30 is when the murders were said to have taken oh, place. Oh, right. Ugh. So he's waking up at the same time every night feeling weird and uneasy, he says. He says that he started undergoing personality changes. He would snap at his family. He would yell at them for no reason, get like really irrationally angry. He was freezing cold. He was constantly chopping wood and building fires, which if you saw the most recent Amityville Horror, I was just going to say, I remember that it. too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like that, that, that's accurate from yes. sort of George's story. Um, but I think probably hotter in Ryan Reynolds case because- yes. He's yes, quite attractive and quite. George, not so much. Mm, they did him a favor. Um, they did do it. They did him a solid by casting <laughs> Ryan Reynolds to play him. He's not like a hideous troll or right, anything like right. that, but, but he's not, not my Ryan. Type. No, definitely <laughs> negatory. <laughs> Kathy claimed that she was embraced. His wife, Kathy, claimed that she was embraced by what she felt was a woman. I'm like, okay. Did the ghost have boobs? <laughs> Weird. Um, then they said they experienced swarms of thousands of house flies oh. like swarming certain rooms in the house. Like a plague. Like they would just show up. There'd be like thousands of flies. Yeah. And this is in the middle of December, right? Like oh, it's cold outside not summer or anything. Then they said that their daughter started talking to a new imaginary friend named Jody who, quote unquote, Represented itself to her as a large pig. Ew. So there's a lot of like demon pig jokes when it comes to the Amityville haunting. And that's sort of the origin of it. That she says a demon pig was like her imaginary friend. And it was terrifying. And it had glowing red eyes. Ew, God. That would be terrifying. They like... Yeah, I mean, like, it's to me, it sounds so silly, but I guess that would be scary if, like, a demon hog showed up in your room. Either real or a demon. A, an angry hog is not something I want in my house. Uh -huh. Either way, not yeah. excited about it. Mm -mm. 
Um, they said they would hear screams and footsteps at night. The kids would start saying weird things. This is what George said. He didn't elaborate on that. So I don't really know what that means, like what they were saying. He hmm. said spots would appear on the carpet and that the china turned black, like all their china turned black. What? Weird. And then um, after 28 days in the house came the final night that drove them from the house. He won't talk about it, but George said, because he said it's too terrifying and he'll never share what happened that night. Like, you know, mm. I think he's since died and never said what happened, but he said he'll never forget the look on his boys' faces and what they said as they came running down the stairs. Wow. So in the middle of the night, um, early, like early morning, January 14th, 1976, they fled. They left the house. Oh, wow. And they never returned. Wow. Yeah. And how long had they been living in it when they fled? 28 days. Holy shit. Yeah. They didn't even make it a month. He said... This is George's quote. We did not move in there and move out as the same family. Wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they moved in with Kathy's mom and George found a man named Stephen Kaplan, who is an American paranormal investigator, mm. a vampirologist. Oh, what? And the found you would have loved him back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen my and- tattoo on my hip? <laughs> Just kidding. I do not have one. <laughs> Thank God. Thanks, Satan. Um, and the found, he was the founder direct, slash director of the Vampire Research Center and the Parapsychology Institute of America. Okay. So, so he was like known in the field as like paranormal investigator. But like if I were going for a paranormal investigator and I saw that he was also a vampirologist, I'd be like, well, we're not going to hire him. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> like I can get spooky, but I can't believe I draw there are vampires. Yeah, I draw a line. Mm-hmm. Yes. Unless we're talking about the dumb emo idiots from Kentucky who thought they were vampires. Yes. But that's just requires a psychologist, not yes. a vampirologist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. That, that, that just requires a mental health degree. Therapy. Yes. So he calls him and he's like, will you investigate what's going on here in our house? And what's your fee? The documentary that I watched, I guess Stephen had already passed away, but his wife was interviewed and she said that Stephen told him, we are a public service agency. It's a quote. And we will investigate and share our findings. So like we, we don't, we don't wow. charge anything. It's very big of them. if oh. we find that you're claims are fraudulent we will share those findings with the public because we're a public service agency so basically we'll investigate for you but whatever we find is going to be public because that's the purpose of our work here i was not expecting you to say that so i'm pleasantly surprised yeah 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 no he really believed in earnest the stuff that that Stephen Kaplan was investigating yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and he was not like out to make money okay he had a bachelor's degree in sociology which is the same bachelor's degree I have so he was not out to be making money (laughs) (laughs) basically I think what he said was like we'll do it but if you're full of shit we're going to expose you so Kaplan went ahead and I, I don't know if he did an interview or like made some public comment on the case. And three days later, he gets a call from George Lutz again saying, I'm either delaying or canceling your investigation because you went to the media. We don't want any publicity on this. We're trying to keep this quiet. Ironically, earlier that morning, George Lutz had held a press conference oh, about wow. the haunting. So Stephen Kaplan's wife said that... During the initial call, Stephen asked some questions to sort of like try and verify 
his story and made some comments to sort of suggest that he wasn't buying it. Mm -hmm. And so they believe that George had disinvited them from the investigation because they thought like he's going to try and expose us as liars. Oh, so like you're not invited to the party anymore, basically under the guise of we don't want publicity, but he literally held a press conference the same day. That's bizarre. So William Weber was Ronnie DeFeo's defense attorney And he was the one who'd actually organized the press conference because he was starting Ronnie's appeal and he had somehow gotten into contact with the Lutzes shortly after they left the house. And Weber was like, oh, the house is haunted. There's a demonic possession. We can use this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. William Weber, the attorney, said that he'd been approached by a man named Paul Hoffman, who was a freelance writer for the news. And Paul Hoffman had said, the Lutzes want to meet with you. So then Weber said that he also wanted to meet with them because he had been given an oral commitment that he would be given a large advance for a book and movie deal out of this whole thing. Basically, this journalist is like, the Lutzes want to connect with you because you guys can all make a whole bunch of money off of this. Mm-hmm. Is This is what William Weber, the attorney, says. The Lutzes sort of okay. deny this report. Lutz said that he never talked about that in the initial meetings with Weber and that what he felt was that Weber just really wanted what was best for his client. And George Lutz said in this stupid interview, I really felt like what had happened to our family very likely could have happened to Ronnie DeFeo as well. And so it was important for his attorney to know this. If you listen to Lutz and if you listen to Weber, they both have different accounts of what happened. Mm -hmm. They both have their own sort of motives or reasons for saying that things were the way that they were you know what I mean like they Mm -hmm. both sort of have different motivations so I like they're both liars I think so it's kind of hard to know like who to trust in this scenario but I kind of tend to believe Weber in Mm -hmm. this particular instance so Weber said they met a whole bunch of times and he ended up revealing some significant details of Ronnie's crime, which ended up being weaved into the Lutz's story of what happened to them in the house. Oh, wow. And the details sort of made their way into their narrative. So he said one night together, they shared, he said more, more bottles of wine than he could count. Oh boy. They were just like drinking wine late at night. Sounds like us. I could be a fly (laughs) on a wall right? to be in that room. (laughs) So like they were having fun yeah. and, and Weber, um, breaks out the crime scene photos. And oh my God. Them. So he said that that night together, they developed the story of demonic possession that the Lutzes would then use as their tale of what happened. This is what Weber claims. He said that he showed them the photos of the blackish greenish powder that was all over the house, which was, um, like fingerprint dust because uh-huh. you know, the police were dusting for yeah. prints all over. And so that left like a powder residue and all these different surfaces in the house and they said oh yeah yeah oh yeah you know what there was slime coming from the doors there was black and green slime coming from the doors Uh (gasps) uh-huh then they had photos of don's third floor bedroom that had dead flies all over it and they said oh yeah 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 we had flies flying all over all the time in that room there was always flies in that room oh wow so from weber's telling of the story The Lutz family were very happy collaborators who were keen to shape their story based on the details of the cases he shared them. If you ask the Lutzes, they say Weber was the one trying to push a book deal and a movie deal on them. He was trying to get the rights of the story from Ronnie and he was like sending contracts to the Lutzes to try and get 
Ronnie paid, Weber paid, like, trying to make money off of it, Mm -hmm. get some money for Ronnie. So who knows? Like, there, I mean, Mm. who do you trust? It's probably a little bit of both. Well, so now I'm curious, like, who made money off the Ryan Reynolds movie? You know, it's funny. He will get to it, but he sued those people because he didn't make any money. Lutz didn't make any money off of it. (laughs) That is funny. Isn't that funny? So we weren't in it for the money. Where's my money? (laughs) Exactly. I have a feeling it's a little bit of both. I think Weber was trying to get paid. Of course, he's like a shysty defense attorney of this guy who very clearly killed his whole family. Like questionable morals, Mm -hmm. maybe. I think that's fair to say. And... And also the Lutzes, I think, were like, how can we make money off of this? Right. You know, how can we... But why would... So why would Weber own up to this being a fabrication if he thought that it was going to help his client plead like... I think because he didn't make any money off of it. Oh, so it was like, doesn't matter anymore. And yeah, because they broke off contact and they went with the story. They they ended up making all the money. So he was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm the one who gave you that fucking story to begin Uh with. Okay. Yes. Uh huh. So they, at that point, they broke off all contact with Weber after he showed them all the crime scene photos and they made this narrative together. A news reporter named Laura Didio said that she decided, this is what she says, she decided to contact the Lutz family because she felt they needed support. Mm. Sure. Yes. Lots of journalists reaching out to right. families like that mm-hmm. because they quote unquote need support. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is when she put them in contact with the OG fraudsters, Ed and Lorraine Warren. <gasps> Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So that's how they end up being wrought into this narrative. I have strong opinions about them. I think they're con artists, personally. Really? Yeah, yeah. I don't Maybe believe. we should do an episode on them. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. It's funny. It, there's once in the last podcast on the left, and they're like, we wanted to do a series on Ed, Lorraine, Warren, but they're just too fucking boring. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of loved. But yes, we totally will at some point, because they're kind of yeah. brilliant. I think... Ed and Lorraine Warren, it's very likely that they believe what they're doing, you know, but Mm -hmm. I don't believe what they're doing. I think they maybe really do think that they're like crusaders in God's army and like fighting off demons. Oh, are they super religious? Very Catholic. Very Catholic. Oh, interesting. That's another one where like I only know things about them really from movies. (laughs) Just peripherally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Conjuring, big fan. Conjuring, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. They're definitely not as hot as they're portrayed in The Conjuring. Yes. That Mm -hmm. franchise did a great favor. But you know what's funny? Lorraine Warren brags about Warner Brothers, is it Warner Brothers owning the rights to her life as if like it's a very oh that's like something to tout it means a lot that like she's so important that people would pay money for her life rights kind of thing mm, mm-hmm. she's like got one eye that looks that way and one eye that looks that way <laughs> like, not to they made you look appearance. really good right <laughs> they really did her a favor they did you a solid Lorraine yes so this reporter Laura Didio puts the Lutz is in contact with Ed and Lorraine. George Lutz meets this reporter, Laura, and the Warrens at the edge of the property. And he says he won't even set foot on the grounds of the hmm. house. I'll only be out here on the street. And per, per Lorraine, it was a horribly foreboding feeling. And of course. you knew this house was infested by something as soon as you approached Flies. It. It's mm-hmm. infested by flies. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Maybe termites. Uh, <laughs> it needs to be, there needs to be an exterminator here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a demon anti-possessor. <laughs> so another thing that's like very important for this timeline is that the exorcist has just come out. 
Oh, so people are like yes. ready for spooky shit. They're into mm-hmm. it. It's like a craze. People are loving it. So they're like, this mm-hmm. is like the real life exorcist. There's demonic possession that causes slime to kill in the whole family. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this local TV station that Laura works for decides to assemble a team of psychics, and they said they were going to film their investigation and like make a TV special. So wait, the. The group of journalists decides to assemble psychics as yes. a source and to gonna, determine whether it's they're true. They're going to go into the house overnight. They're going to be there mm. like overnight with all these psychics and they're going to film mm-hmm. it and they're going to get this amazing TV special that's going to be like The Exorcist Live, she said. That they were Sounds like, we're going to get right yes yeah yeah was this This a news station called coast to coast this is more um entertainment news a la cnn or fox news maybe a lot msnbc not npr it's not dry no No, it's entertainment So they go into the house and, and of course, all these psychics are just feeling things immediately. Things are happening. Naturally. One of the um, cameramen, he gets to the landing on the second floor and he bent over clutching his chest. He said he had stabbing chest pains. I'm like, sir, mm-hmm. you need to start working out if walking mm-hmm. up one Climbing flight of the stairs, stairs causes you mm-hmm. to have a cardiac issue. Mm-hmm. The overall impression of the psychics, because this documentary I watched interviewed a bunch of them, they said that they felt um, overall overwhelming sadness in the house, which is like, duh, a kid killed his whole right. family. Right. Like, even if you don't believe in ghosts, there's like weird energy, especially energy if you know what happened. Like, exactly. you're not going in blind. Exactly. The psychics said they could feel the remnants or the bad vibes, especially on the second floor, because that's where a lot of the bedrooms were. One psychic said that she saw the face of a young girl looking in the window and the young girl started crying. So she told her, go towards the white light. Oh, like, God. Follow the light. You're, all your family's waiting for you there. Yeah. Oh, very, very dramatic. <laughs> yeah, Lorraine say. said that she felt a demon in the house. Not just the evil of the murders, but there was a demon in the house. And she went upstairs to the top room and she said, you could just like see it on my face that something was happening and the psychic that's next to her goes what's wrong Lorraine she goes this is her quote I hope this is the closest to hell I'll ever get oh jeez <laughs> oh like, my oh, god it's so rich I love it it's so rich she's like writing the movie herself <laughs> yeah oh she knew she's walking through yeah. here she's like oh uh, they're gonna make use my direct me. quotes yes <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure they probably did, honestly. <laughs> Want me to say it again? I, I'll, write, I'll say it again and write Which it down. Which camera's rolling right now? Yeah. <laughs> what angle do you want me at? Uh, would you send this to Warner Brothers, please? I have a feeling that they're going to make a movie out of me. <laughs> they, uh, they want my life rights. Mm-hmm. Another psychic said that she got her holy water and she called out to Satan, which is funny because that's something I do all the time to say about <laughs> holy water. I call out to him all the time. And not um, because you want to she... get rid of him. <laughs> Oh, quite the opposite, my friend. <laughs> she said she threw the water and it was like when you throw water on a hot stove, it was like in the house. Oh, but then she said everything stopped after that. So like whatever she did worked. Oh. Who the fuck knows? So then they held a seance, of course. Of course. And then after the seance, Ed was holding his crucifix out in front of him and leading everyone back downstairs. <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> At one point, he stopped and leaned back like he was being pushed. And he said it was 
this is his quote, like being assailed by a legion of demons. Oh my God. (laughs) Honey, if you're getting assailed by a legion of demons, I think it's going to be a little bit more intense than getting pushed a little bit on the stairs. Yeah, just like sort of leaning backwards as though Mm -hmm. being pushed. But I guess they would say the crucifix took the blunt, the brunt of the the legion. Lorraine said it was like a rush of water against her chest holding her back. Then Laura, the reporter who like put this all together, goes, as a report this is an exact quote. As a reporter, I have to tell you, I did not see anything. I did not feel anything. <laughs> so this was not the the exorcist in real life that she was hoping no. for. So this is a ama- mm-hmm. oh, God, you're so good. You just know what to say next. She said she's just watching all these psychics, and at two AM one of the psychics turned to her and said, We don't have it. Like as in <gasps> really? this ex- real life exorcist that we thought we were about to get. This is just a bunch of videos. It's not here on in a in a house where murders happened. Yeah, like, this isn't. Wow. It. Sorry. Yeah. So there's one super metal and very terrifying thing that happened that night that fully gives me goosebumps. I put oh, my candle out because I didn't want to waste it because it's really nice. But that was stupid. Okay, keep your <laughs> candle on. This part's creepy. It's on. It's on. I'll- okay. Good. <laughs> So there I'll was burn a camera. for both of us. Yeah, at least we'll save you. <laughs> There's a camera on a tripod that they had set to take a flash photo every few minutes, like the whole night. And uh-huh. it was like in the stairwell of the second floor, I think. Um, and I guess like a while later, I don't know if it was like months later or years later, a secretary in California is cataloging all these photos and she's pregnant at the time. And it's like rolls and rolls and rolls of photos, right? Cause it was every few minutes for like right. the whole night. And, um, Every time she picked up this one photo, the baby in her belly oh, no. would jump or kick. Oh, no. And she would feel like this like visceral reaction. So she looks closer and there is a straight up kid standing what? in the doorway of the bedroom. Yeah. I just got goosebumps all over my body. <gasps> Me too. Like What? <gasps> what the fuck is that? Right? Like fully a kid. What the fuck is that? Fully a kid. And this is it's a It's like comparison. glowing eyes. Because it's a flash, right? Oh, it looks exactly like him. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. That's John, the youngest boy who was killed. Okay. So wait, so... do you think that it's possible there's ghosts in there of just the people who were dead, who were killed? Totally. And that there's not actual demons, but there might be I'm some I'm very open to the fact that there are ghosts in that house. I mean, how could there love not if be? There they were, were traumatically murdered. Yes. Actually, no, I don't love, I don't know if I love. I know. Because I want them to be like at peace, but I don't believe in right. heaven, so I don't really know what that means for my worldview. I don't know. I I'm open to the opportunity. <laughs> the opportunity. The opportunity. I always say that. I'm Op- open, open to, to the, the idea. To <laughs> I'm open. I am a hundred percent open to the opportunity to haunt one day for sure. No, I'm. I am open to it. Okay. That photo really creeped me out. Yeah, like, that's really creepy. So then uh, allegedly, and this ruins it for me because I don't like George Letts, but he showed the photo to his daughter. She goes, oh, that's the boy I used to play with there. Ew. Yeah. So creepy, 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 creepy. Yeah, super creepy. Allegedly. But like, yeah, he also could have made all that. I don't know. Like maybe someone made up that photo, but like. But it was also the 70s, which is a lot harder to do. I mean, I think that's. Yeah, I really feel like the photo is real. It looks really real, Ooh. but but I wonder why this the ther- the psychics or whatever didn't feel it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess they, they could too... have been total phonies. <laughs> they were well. They were just too, yeah, that's true. They were just too busy fucking doing their demon cosplay horseshit right. Catholic right. garbage. Just stuff. imagine like being in the room and feeling nothing and seeing Ed and Lorraine like walking on the stairs with the crucifix, like, <laughs> <feeling it>. like <laughs> yeah, a wave like, of demons ah. is assailing me. <laughs> 
fucking weird, <laughs> stupid. Oh, man. So do you think that, um, I, I feel like we've mentioned this the last few episodes. Do you feel like this is the shared delusion, the cool word you always use? Um, oh, folie a deux. Folie uh, a deux between the two of them, Ed and Lorraine, that they I guess you could just, call it a version of that, couldn't you? Yeah. Like shared psychosis. That's isn't right. that Catholicism? Right. <laughs> <Hey-o>. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a micro cult of the macro uh, cult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, you know, people people can believe some weird shit. They're it's really, true. and it's encouraged too. You know, like it was really reinforced. Right. This and I think coming from felt- the people who are like, sure, uh, ghosts could be in a house and aliens. <laughs> sure. <are> <laughs> When you want to believe something, yeah. But this is the thing. Remember, we are skeptical inquirers, Mm -hmm. and they stamp on your tramp back. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So the Lutz family never returned to the house. They wow. They had people pack up their stuff and take it out. The bank Mm. reclaimed the property. I guess they like when I guess it was foreclosed. They were out eighty k. Yes. And the, um, but they were about to make a whole bunch of money. So it was, I think they Mm. knew there's better things coming. Um, the rest of their belongings that were in the house were auctioned off. They moved to California. They were like, we need to escape everything. We need to get out of here. Let's move to California where there's lots of movies being made. Mm, Isn't that Mm. funny? So of course, as this is all like coming out into the news, dozens of psychics, 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 parapsychologists, ghost hunters, whatever, all come out of the woodwork and they're like, I know what's going on in that house. I know exactly what's going on. Of course. One of the most famous was a man named Hans Holzer, who is an Austrian ghost hunter. And he'd mm-hmm. written like 50 plus books on poltergeist and psychic activity and spooky shit. He's fun. Love him. He went to the house on January 13th of 1977 with, with William Weber, the attorney, and Laura Didio, this, um, this journalist again Mm -hmm. and they went with a renowned deep trance medium named ethel johnson myers holzer said you need to have a deep trance medium with you because if there's a ghost there it will use the deep trance medium's vocal cords to communicate with you hard pass yeah Yeah, no thank you Mm. so as soon as they get out of the car to go in the house ethel goes there's an indian around here oh no (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, you can't really say that anymore yeah, Ethel. i mean like on, we Ethel. could say it in a <laughs> right. like in a <laughs> contemporary way yeah. yeah but like <laughs> ethel no so um this is actually kind of creepy because laura in the in the documentary that i watched is like not like she's pretty skeptical you know like she's mm-hmm. the one who said i didn't see anything or experience yeah. anything but she said she watches ethel and all of a sudden she literally develops an adam's apple like oh, she no. sees her throat pop out her voice drops several octaves and she starts talking as though she were an Indian chief that was buried on the What? Land. Yes. Oh my God. She says, and this is what Holzer says too, that there was an Indian cemetery that the house had been built on top of. There's actually a recording of Ethel in her like trance state. It's not as creepy as you might hope, at least as I hoped it would be. Yeah. Like her voice wasn't that low. I kind of mm. hoped that it was like, it sounded like a man. Like, a Native American. Yeah, yeah like a, a chief's yeah. voice coming out of her body. It didn't right. sound like that to me. It just sounded like an old lady being like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like not exciting. But um, Holzer said, it's not a truly haunted house. It's just one Indian chief who wants them to get off his land. This is where he's buried. Hmm. 
we'll get back to why that's probably not true later. But anyway, so, I would like, love to speak with a Native American about, I mean, I feel like I've heard like for my whole life, like, oh, maybe there's an Indian burial ground nearby. Yes. Maybe it's yeah. built on an Indian burial. Yeah. I'm like, is there any, in your culture, is there any truth to that? That if something yes. is built on an Indian burial ground, you're going to come back and haunt people. Like, right. Yeah. Did that originate from dumb white happened. people or is there anything? Yeah. Why, why is that, that always the answer? Yeah. You know exactly. why? Because most of this fucking country is built on Indian burial ground. Yeah, so it's that's really very easy. True. Cast a wide That's net. very true. Yes, yes, good point. So the Lutzes publish a book. They work with this author. Of course they, they publish do. a book. It's very, you know, out there. And it is an instant hit. Of Immediately selling is. out. Like, can't keep it on the shelves. They, I guess they said they printed 25,000 copies initially. And they were gone as soon as they hit the stands. Is it just called Next. The Amityville Horror? The Amityville Horror. Yeah. Oh, boy. Next comes the 1979 movie. Which I watch? No, I didn't watch that one. It's got really bad Rotten Tomatoes. Last night, Matt and I were mm-hmm. like, "Should we watch it in preparation?" But I didn't want to pay money to rent it because it was mm-hmm. apparently it quite horrible. bad. <laughs> yeah, George and Kathleen are doing the talk show rounds. They're like telling their story all over, and it was an absolute frenzy in Amityville, which is a small town, right? Mm-hmm. They interviewed in this documentary I watched. They interviewed a bunch of people who lived there at the time, and the guy who used to live next door. And they were like, "It kind of ruined our lives, actually." Oh man! Like there were people driving on like all over people's yards and shit like that. He said mm-hmm. like he would get boxed into his house all the time because there'd be so many idiots. People were trying to pull the siding off the side of the house and like oh take mementos. People would go and like grab a clump of grass from the front yard to take it with them. Oh, what idiots. People are so right? dumb. People are so stupid. So it was like insane. As this frenzy like, you know, around all the believers was getting crazy. The group of skeptics was also getting bigger and getting louder, of course. And there are, I mean, like, I could probably go on for three hours about all the sort of things that aren't quite right, but I'll just sort of summarize it as best I can. In the beginning, in the first few articles and interviews that the Lutzes did, it was pretty low-level psychic phenomenon that they were reporting. They were saying, like, voices, scary noises, hot and cold spots in the house, like, really, you know, like, Mm -hmm. first-grade haunting kind of basic Mm -hmm. stuff. By the time the book and the movie came out, there was black and green and red slime oh coming up the stairs. There were swarms of flies. There was Jody the demon pig. Oh my god! Um, there was a picture that their daughter drew of of Jody the demon pig, like sitting outside her window with its demon eyes. And there were a couple of skeptics, um, including Kaplan, the vamp- vampirologist that we talked mm-hmm. about who were at the house investigating and they talked to the neighbors and the neighbors were like, Oh, that's the really fat. They showed like, this is the daughter's um, picture drawing of Jody, yeah. the demon pig. They go, Oh, that's the really fat cat that lives in the neighborhood. He oh. always climbs up. He always sits outside <gasps> oh their second story window. Well then the daughter's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Kids are so stupid. so stupid. But can you imagine if your dad's like, Oh yeah. Anything spooky happened? Like, well, I did see these like bright eyes outside my window. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a demon it pig. Like a pig? Yeah. yeah exactly. Right. Also like, I find it I mean I find a lot of this hard to believe but especially that it all happened within 28 days like you had slime coming down the walls and you had a demon pig and you had flies and black stuff like come on so the investigators these sort of skeptical investigators also said that there may have been a lot of flies in the house but they were like if I mean it would make sense the murders happened in December and they they weren't discovered until the next night. So they Uh-oh, bodies. I know what you're going to say. Oh, yeah. No. Like the bodies sat 
in that heated house in December for like a day. They were like, are, are there fluids in the carpets? Mm-hmm. Like, is there and a very disgusting... they lay their eggs and... Yeah, mm-hmm. like, yeah, exactly. Is there a very disgusting but reasonable reason for there to be a lot of flies in the house? Oof. Which is like, was it properly sanitized after a bunch of people right. died there? Gross, but also like fair point. Yeah. Um, I guess they made all these claims that there was like physical damage to the house to the locks to the doors to the windows that like windows shattered and stuff like that but the people who bought the house next in march of 1977 jim and barbara cromarty bought the house for fifty five thousand dollars. oh my god which is i guess with inflation two hundred and forty six thousand dollars in twenty. oh my god i'm like oh i die anyway mm. they said that all these things that the the Lutzes had said had been broken or destroyed were not destroyed because you could tell it was still the original like leaded windows or it was still the original full of fixtures yeah so who knows oh my god I guess Kaplan the vampirologist debated Lutz in some kind of like a televised interview but I couldn't find it and apparently during the interview or like I don't know it's like some kind of special and they were all on talking about it Lutz said that the window slammed down violently on his son's hand and they had to take him to Brunswick Hospital because his hand was injured so Kaplan goes oh okay great we'll subpoena the records from the hospital because then (gasps) that will back up your claim and then Lutz goes well we actually we didn't we just bandaged it up at home we didn't actually end up having oh to take him to the my hospital. god we thought we were gonna have what to take a shithole mm-hmm. sorry right? that's not appropriate Hundred <laughs> percent. like this guy's a piece of shit um the claim that the house was built on like indian burial ground or like some i guess at some point they had suggested in the book that it was a site where indians the shinnecock indians which is like a local tribe had abandoned mm-hmm. their mentally ill and dying Oh my who made God. this claim in the book and the local Native American leaders were like, that's not fucking true. Like, like that's that never not happened. a practice of our culture. We have no history oh in that God. area. Like, no, we have no involvement with that area. You're making it up. Good for them. Right? Like, yeah, stand up for yourself. Mm-hmm. So those are just like some of the sort of points that the skeptics and, yeah. will, yeah, that mm-hmm. the skeptics will, you know, bring up to be like, actually, no, like there's quite also a few very valid valid points that yes. make me go hmm yeah. how do you like talk your way out of that one right so george lutz we i talked about earlier that he was like very sue happy he mm-hmm. sued like literally everyone and everything that he could over the years and all of his lawsuits had been thrown out because they lack merit he sued the makers of the most recent movie i think was he still alive then yeah i think it was like 2005 he sued um like a bunch of places where like he did interviews and then he sued them after because he would say oh that God. they like misrepresented his words or whatever like he he was just suing left right and center none of them like went through um he said it was to protect the integrity of his story but I'm i like, mean all signs point to money changing. grabbing yeah exactly yeah there is no integrity in your story so Mm-mm. i'm not really sure why you think that Mm-mm. again like i wish i could tie this up with a bow but <sighs> basically the debate about the accuracy of the amityville horror quote unquote still continues to this day mm-hmm. different people have very strong opinions either way that it you know definitely happened they were like forced out of the house how why would anyone make that up to make a lot of money but you yeah, know like right i mean um, it, and it's consistent that he kept trying to make a lot of money so yes 
Well, I was going to say, you know, just a couple episodes ago, we did the exorcism of Roland Doe, who, Mm -hmm. you know, it seems like he was maybe possessed by a demon and he Mm -hmm. didn't go and murder anybody, even though he was like hurting himself and bleeding and like really hurting. And I mean, it seems like the clinical or the the classic version of being possessed. So I don't know why this guy would go murder all his family. (laughs) It doesn't seem like the natural possession story. It's just like, isn't that convenient? Isn't that a convenient story when the narrative has been like pretty clear that he was troubled he came mm. from a cycle of abuse he's mm-hmm. sure he had ptsd wow he was just like, pissed at his dad like your dad right? has, like fucked you over your whole life and he was using gnarly drugs mm-hmm. there are various owners of the house since the lutz family left in 1976 who have public re- publicly reported no problems while living there the uh, Cromartys, the ones who bought the house in 77, they lived there for 10 years and they said um, nothing weird ever happened except for people coming by because of the book and movie. Oh, God. But this is really fun. This is fun for me. Mm-hmm. The house was 112 Ocean Avenue. And because of like so much notoriety and people wanting to go there, they actually changed the legal address of the house. Really? It's 108 Ocean Avenue now. Oh, so yeah. now everyone can go to see the real one. That <laughs> now that we've given the, the address. <laughs> right. When you go on Redfin, as one does, uh, as one to does. look at photos of it, the next door neighbor's house on Redfin is like all blurred out. Like everything's blurred. Oh, you can't see wow. the pictures because the next door neighbors are like, we just want privacy. Like, wow. please So when did it alone. last Oh, you said it last sold for like nine fifty or something. It last sold in I think like twenty fifteen for nine fifty mm-hmm. or something like that. So, did George and his family make the most of their money from the book? Is that where they really made yes. a lot? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and I think they did quite well. Like, yeah, um, they ended up getting divorced, George and Kathy, in like the eighties, I think. But they remained on good terms, like for the rest of their lives. I think they're both dead now. I think it feels pretty clear to me that it was mental health and then someone trying to make some money off of a tragedy mm-hmm. and or there's also the possibility that i mean as we know if you focus on something too much then you dream about it because you've just like mm-hmm. been thinking about it you all day like and so fixated on it right and so what if he had just been like you know they they discussed what, what had happened in the house and they move in and they're just fixated that something's going to happen and so yeah. they start imagining yeah. that these things really are it's true um, that's very kind but, to them I don't know. I don't really feel like that's what happened, yeah. but I, there are some people who think that they came up with the whole plan before they moved in. Mm. And that's why they only stayed 28 days that yeah, they were like, we are going to go make money off of this. We're going to get our mm-hmm. story. We're going to capitalize on the success of the exorcist and like, we're going to do it. There are some people too who think like they didn't, there's things they didn't like about the house. Maybe they couldn't afford it. They got in over their head. They like n- needed some other reason to get out of it, you know? yeah but yeah i feel like the the fact that it lines up with the exorcist is really compelling yeah kind of interesting and Mm -hmm. like and when you said green goo like it reminds me of like when she vomited and it was like Mm -hmm. green you know Mm -hmm. so they had that idea Mm -hmm. planted in there i think i would be more willing to believe it if it weren't for william weber the attorney Mm -hmm. sort of like laying out exactly how they came up with the story you know Mm -hmm. and the fact that he's like um can point to like specific crime scene photos that he showed them and Mm -hmm. then like oh then they said that this happened you know it's like even if he said oh no they made it up that would be like yeah but he's like they made it up and this is exactly what happened the night that we made it up together right also as we learned from the roland doe episode 
remember when he his mom would take him to friends houses and shit would still happen when he was in their house yes it's like if it were a Nothing demon happens yeah. right so like they leave the house and it's all done and yeah. when the brother would leave it was all done like it just yeah it, it, if i guess i would believe it more if they're like it's just really haunted but as soon as you start saying like it's a possession well you weren't possessed though because you were able to leave and just leave it behind yes. so yeah and leave your and make theory doesn't make money. sense yeah, yeah exactly. and, and nothing stayed in the house because no one else ever reported anything spooky ever right happening. right so Wow. But hopefully one day I can buy the house and then <laughs> and tell us I'll for report sure. back to you. Yeah, I'll <laughs> let you all know. I I do think that the photo of the little boy is really scary. That is really weird. If you're yeah. listening to this episode, go onto our Instagram because I'll post it yeah. and you can see what we're talking about. But it's pretty terrifying. The reality I'm going to choose to believe is yeah. that the brother was mentally unwell because of his yeah. cycle of abuse from his dad. And so yes. he killed all his yeah. family because of that combined with the drugs and now perhaps yep. some of the family haunts the house and yes. maybe they could tell that those Lutzes were bad news because they wanted to use the house yep. for gains and so they haunted them a little yes. bit and they've oh, love been that. nice to everyone else because they're nice people mm-hmm. 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 yeah maybe yes. the Lutzes really did um experience the like hot and cold and the weird noises and the waking up at three fifteen. Yeah, maybe. Like maybe that really did but happen like, and so, then they just so ran those, with it to make money. Right. But so it's interesting mm-hmm. how the murders and the later maybe hauntings have been attributed to the same demon when really they're separate because the the murders happen from mental health and then the yes. creepiness happened yes. because of the murders. Yes. The yeah. creepiness is the murders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? The scary thing. <laughs> the dead the ho- people. The horror in the Amityville <laughs> yeah. horror is the six, the murders. six people yes. being shot to death while they're sleeping. Yes. That's exactly. the horror. That's the horror, not yeah. the And that's plenty. Ghost. That's plenty of horror. We don't need to make <gasps> yeah. up any horror on top of that. That's really yeah, horrific. It, it really is interesting how that whole part of it is kind of just like gloss yeah. over. Like, why isn't the book about that? That he right. went and killed his whole family. Yeah. You could just write, you could write about the family trauma, right? right. Like you could write about what led to that. That would be fascinating and yeah. terrifying and real. Right. Maybe right. a little too real, though. Yeah, that's why people like the ghost part. Because that's it's why. easier to think that humans aren't oh capable God. of that without, totally. you know, demonic oh, intervention. I would, I would hope that it yeah. would be that simple. Right. right. In reality, all Satan brings us is love and joy and happiness. He just wants us to have knowledge. <laughs> both a blessing and a curse. Definitely. <laughs> that's what Satan wants. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that was fascinating. Thank you for telling us about that. I did not know, I would say, 90% of that. The only things oh, I, rem- I knew were things when you were like, remember when Ryan Reynolds did this in the movie? Remember like, when he's yes, shirtless, <laughs> yes. like chopping wood, and his abs I remember are, this like, like low down scene doom. of like the, the yes. axe, and he's in the boathouse. Yep. And, Me too. Yeah, that's what I remember. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so go watch else, that movie know. now. It's still it a fun movie. It's not good, but it's fun. Yeah. I remember being very underwhelmed by it. Yeah. It's like, hmm. That was mm-hmm. fine. Ryan mm-hmm. Reynolds was cute. Yeah, like put it on when you're like doing something else. Right. Don't dedicate your evening yeah, just to it. Put on a murder movie while I'm just, you know, relaxing. Yeah. You know, if you're like crocheting way. or something. <laughs> <laughs> do you have uh, something sweet for us tonight? I do, but I'm going to start by saying I kind of cheated a little. I did make something, but Slug. I made uh-huh. it big. <laughs> Ooh. So. We had 
a shit ton of rhubarb in our yard and so we picked it oh, yes, and did I like all kinds photo. of things with it yeah we did strawberry rhubarb jam we did uh can or preserved rhubarb we did rhubarb um syrup we did frozen we did all kinds of shit and so we also made a strawberry strawberry rhubarb pie and i made that <gasps> nice. today and by the time I finished making it, I was like, oh, I probably should have saved like a little mini thing to make a mini version. <laughs> yeah. And then I thought, nope, we're just going to show the full version. And I already Nothing like wrong with that. split it up between me and my dad. So here's the picture. I <laughs> <gasps> Beautiful. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're such a good. like good homesteader. Domestic goddess. Yes. <laughs> um, it was it's really delicious. And was it, good? Um, yeah, it was really good. It's just very uh, tangy and sweet and it's a you know homemade all butter crust really delicious I um, believe it so I will upload that recipe I made Ben take a picture of me with it because I was like this cute. isn't like a cute normal dessert so I'll be in it <laughs> I'll love be the dessert it. you're the cute <laughs> normal dessert yes thank you so I actually, you know, I, as we always do, I Googled missing women yep. and uh, this one, as I was reading, I mean, it, I don't have a lot of details, but mm-hmm. it's one of those where I was like, oh, she's not just missing. We've got like some creepy details that mm. um, you'll just see. So this is in New York, which is fitting because That's your story you told us was oh just gosh. in New York. Mm-hmm. I think her name is pronounced TJ. It's T-I-J-A-E and the way they have it written out as it's capital t lowercase i capital j so uh um i think it's tj tj baker she's 23 or maybe uh, like tj or something yeah maybe and in some other articles i saw it not broken up it was just Uh like one word so Uh you know someone's got it wrong Mm -hmm. 23 years old and she took a train from new york city to washington dc on may 1st and she's yet to come home so it's been (gasps) a full month Oh, and her mother, Taquana Baker, is desperate to find her daughter. Mm-hmm. The daughter was in art school and she oh. was going out to Washington, D.C. to make posters for someone. And oh, no. then she never saw her again. So I guess she was also an up and coming artist herself. And it was in her final year of college that she was living in New York. Oh, sweet thing. Yeah. So she was off to do great things. And she left from Washington Union Station and was supposed to return the next day. When she didn't, her mom filed a police report a few days later. So good on her mom for not uh-huh. waiting a long time. And so we know that she did leave Washington? Yes, she did. Yeah. She yeah. headed, you know, Washington, D.C. Um, or, well, no, wait. She left Washington Union Station to go to D.C. So uh, we don't know that she left Washington, D.C. at all. Oh, In fact, yeah. I'm pretty sure we don't. And here's the the piece of information that was, you know, the alarming piece, the alarming clue. And it wasn't reported on in all stories, um, but I did find it in two. So I'm pretty sure it's not false. Um, But her mom said that her daughter was last seen in a nail salon. And while she was there, she called her mom and whispered that she needed to come get her like begging please come find me and so her mom immediately went to dc to go get her at this nail salon where there's footage of her and she's gone oh my god and And you know there's like they talk about like human trafficking in nail salons that's what i was gonna say so her mom thinks that she was taken into a human trafficking ring and she doesn't think that anyone's helping because her daughter is black Uh so she feels like this isn't getting the you know um the attention coverage that, that it deserves mm-hmm. uh TJ, i think she's right yeah i think she's totally right we you know we see that time and time again uh-huh. 
Tajay is five foot seven and 130 pounds. She was last seen wearing a black sweater, gray shorts, and a white top. And if anyone has any information regarding her disappearance or whereabouts, you're supposed to call 800-577-TIPS. That's T-I-P-S. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So. How terrifying. Her poor mother. I mean, poor mm-hmm. her, but also her mom just wondering, like, where's my baby? It's so yep. sad. And, you know, as with so many of these stories, she met this person who she was going to make posters for online. And so she boards this bus to go make these posters and then her phone stopped ringing and it wasn't until she called from that nail salon that her mom heard from her again. Oh my God. Like we've said before, do not talk to anyone on the internet. Do not talk. The internet's a terrifying place. Yeah. No. Even People will try to sell you cows that aren't real. (laughs) Trust no one on the internet. No one. No one. Um, someone on their local council said they're trying to improve how missing person cases are handled. Yeah, like, yeah, obviously. Clearly hello. it's not going very well. Right. So, oh um, we of course will post her picture and her information and who you can get in contact with. But, um, you know, whenever I'm at the airport and I see those things in the bathroom stalls about like, if you see yeah. something, say something, yeah. there's human trafficking we're trying to stop. It mm-hmm. seems so far removed. Like that just seems yes. like an, an idea. Yeah. But yeah. it happens every day and it's yes. terrifying and mm-hmm. um, anyone mm-hmm. can be a victim of it. So mm-hmm. always be safe and aware and careful and don't talk to Trust people online. No one. Don't, yes. Even in real life. Trust don't talk no to one. anyone. Talk to yeah. nobody. Yes. Become a hermit. Live in the forest. Drink water from a stream. And listen only to Easy Bake Coven podcast. <laughs> yes. Like we'll get safe. solar panels so that you can charge your phone yeah, and listen I have to our those. podcast. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> and then make good. friends with deer and other local wildlife. That's the yes. only people, the only thing you can trust yes, is Mother not Nature. Not even us. We'll no, entertain don't trust you, us. Don't trust us. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I will pickpocket the shit out of you. <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> wow i guess i should keep my money safe oh no no not you no no <laughs> okay. no everyone else though everybody else watch out oh watch out people um do you have a good thing a good thing yes i do what's my good thing we did sunny well intermittently sunny weekend nice so that was nice and Haley's good things always revolve around the weather <laughs> it's the only thing that brings me joy is sunshine and heroin and acid at the same time <laughs> uh russell and i spent a day doing our favorite hobby which is going to open houses oh i love that i said matt was like i'm he's gonna do some sanding in the kitchen he sanded the uh-huh. rest of the built-ins in the kitchen oh nice so he goes you guys should just get out of the house for a few hours because i don't want oh, russ around when that. it's like dusty you know from Very the nice, sanding matthew i was like oh, don't have to ask me twice to yeah. not participate in this in renovation sanding hard work so I was like, Russ, what should we do? I said, hell, you want to go to some open houses? He goes, hooray, I love open houses. I was like, fuck you yeah, I'm doing such a good job of raising you. Like teach your kids like the same shit as you. It's yes, so fun. It's so So fun. we like pull up to the first house. He goes, I like this house. I think I'm going to buy it. Oh. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, because he's been pickpocketing people because he's learning after <laughs> you. <laughs> Terrain them right. So yeah, it was like fun. We just had like a nice... Nice sort of sunny nice. morning driving Mother around bond. the island. Mother-son bonding time. We went to Luna Bella's, which is like my favorite little consignment shop on the island. And I got yes. this amazing Oaxacan Mexican dress, which <gasps> cool. I like, you know, I love vintage Mexican yes. dresses. And it was so cheap. And I have store credit because I sell clothing there. So it was like. Love it. Went That's to the amazing. farmer's market and got some bread. It was just like a very cute. What a nice weekend. You know, driving around the island looking at homes and like having nice fun weekend yeah truly 
What's your good thing, Lacey? What's my good thing? Um, well, the rhubarb was really fun, but I feel like I already covered that. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you have a great tan. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really proud of that. I've got mm-hmm. some weird lines, but you know, oh, it's you fine. did a, you did a successful tint type. <gasps> yes, thank you. Yes. yes, that is very exciting. So, um, you know, I've I, I think that was our first was that our first or third episode where I oh, got when you the actual when you talked camera. about spirit <laughs> photography. Yeah. Theme, yeah, that was right? third. That was so our third, third episode. Yeah. Yeah, so that was uh, 29 episodes ago that um, I got that camera. Yeah, so if you've been following along on our journey, um, you'll remember me talking about this large format Deerdorf 5x7 camera. Um, And, you know, then I ordered the chemicals and there were things that weren't coming and then we were moving. And so there just hasn't been much time to dedicate to that. And it is very much a time suck because you have to learn a lot. and figure out the darkroom process and all that stuff so i think the week before last or something like that i tried it out and it was fine it was good i got it you know i got a shot it wasn't like super legible but something appeared so then this last weekend i decided i was going to take a portrait i was going to do it and um so i just told my dad to sit down in one of the little cabins we're working Mm -hmm. on and took a picture of him and it worked and it's so so good it looks amazing It looks really cool. It looks like something out of, you know, the late 1800s. Yeah, like he looks so. like a pioneer man building yeah. his like shelter for the winter. <laughs> yeah, I showed it to him and he was like, I look like I'm from the 1800s. I was like, Dad, you look great. Shut That's up. That's kind of the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was really proud of that. And it was um, so good. I constantly have like black stuff on my body from the chemicals that. So like how long does that stay? A long time, like weeks. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, my hands, it'll probably come off sooner because, you know, you wash them all the time. Yep. But I still have like things on my arms here and there. But also, <gasps> oh, you know what I, you could do? You what? could take a really fine paintbrush and you could test out, like, you could paint on my tram stamps for me. Oh, and then yes, it'll just last for a few weeks so I can test it out and see. You are really giving me a lot of credit when it comes to artistry. <laughs> oh my God, you're an artist. <laughs> you're a creative type. Your tramp stamp, you will never want permanently once you see what I, I, I draw. see you. it. That's true. It's on my back. It's on my back. (laughs) Um, As always, go check out our website where we post every episode, sometimes a little late, but it'll be there eventually. Mm. EasyBakeCovenPodcast.com. Leave us a review. Oh, yes. Leave us a review. So we now have enough reviews to have a review on Spotify. But one of you fuckers gave us four stars. Oh, how sad. So... (laughs) Only we've we've been over this five stars or nothing. <laughs> oh my god! Although you know it's so funny. No. I was on social media for the podcast, and that's why we drink. And mm-hmm. I don't know what they were talking about, but they started a new sub podcast or something. Oh, and. Uh-huh something was said that someone didn't like and they were just like attacking them on their social media and i am not like Haley's really good at like dealing with trolls and stuff i it gives me like so much anxiety not that we have any trolls ourselves but like Haley's really good at oh you know you you are you're good at like you know putting down some mean trolls (laughs) yeah i can be a real bitch i don't know if that's but i just have anxiety about it about like us offending someone and then they hate us and then i so when i'm like what are you fuckers gave us four stars like no 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 i still think it's funny but when i read those reviews those comments on people's instagram their instagram i was like maybe we don't want to get any bigger than we are if you i know i know i thought that i'm like we should just stay like nice and small put ourselves under a 
microscope. We not, might not like what we see. I know. Uh-oh. So I thought, I was like, well, you know, if we've actually ever offended someone, you can tell us. I'm sorry. Oh, that's a good point. Okay, no, if it's legit. If you find yes. us annoying, fuck off. But I if would we appreciate said something that was yes, offensive. Yes. But I yeah. would appreciate an email rather than just a call out on social. Like if, if you really actually truly offended want to address you, it. Yes. Yeah. Not just yeah. be a raging jerk. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's help keep Elise's anxiety at bay and email us. <laughs> okay. If you hate us, you are allowed to send us one email. Yes. Uh, and also, like Haley said, it can't just be because you find us annoying. That's not fair. That's a lot of people find us annoying. Reason. Just turn off yes. the Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you still listening? I yeah. don't get it. I don't understand. <sighs> um, it's the same and- reason that sometimes I look at the like Kardashian jenner clan oh yeah instagram love to hate i hate them but it's fascinating it is it's like a train wreck <laughs> like how away. i'm equivalent you know like making <laughs> myself equating us to equating the- us to the kardashians <laughs> i'd fascinate people even if they don't like me they hate to love me and love to hate me <laughs> uh, oh my god, sense oh my of god. Self. i love it so send those complaints and or yes. positive notes to the easy bake pod at gmail.com yes or slide into our <laughs> dms easy bake yes. heaven podcast yes if yes. you have a hookup for the new netflix fucking easy bake oven tv show oh my god like, we're so excited about that let us be on it yeah come on we're so like, good at baking with the easy bake oven we're like made for that show we literally do that every week every week <laughs> Un- every unless week. elise bakes a full pie <laughs> <laughs> unless we fuck up the all recipes conversion <laughs> Uh, this time I was like, well, I'm just going to own up to being lazy and that I made one big dessert instead of It's actually many like not ones. lazy because you made a whole ass pie and that's a it's lot of true. work. It's true. Thank you. If you made Thank a tiny ass much. pie, that would probably be more work, but whatever. Yeah, that would be horrible. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this is another great, wonderful episode. We have some exciting interviews coming up in the next few weeks that we're we excited sure for you all to have. And it's just going to be a great summer season for the East So Bay many Kevin. fun things coming we up. Do. So mm. keep listening. World tour to be announced soon. soon. <laughs> Haley's going to be in the UK. <laughs> oh my God, yes. The world are you tour a, starts. There. Are you a spooky listener in Scotland? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, coming to you from a castle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love it. Uh, um, all right, friends. As always, don't forget to keep it spooky and make it sweet. Happy haunting.